Welcome to the DFW Child Podcast, a place for local parents to tell their stories, share mom truths, and dig deeper into real issues, all while celebrating this crazy, challenging, beautiful journey called parenthood. Let's welcome our host, Brittany McElroy. I'm taking a video of work. So, okay. This is what trying to send an email sounds like at my house right now. Let mommy, mommy, okay, thank you. Thank you for the kisses, but can mommy finish? Oh, thank you, sweetheart. I know I'm not alone. Some version of this sounds familiar to parents across the country, even across the world, as we've all tried to figure out Whoa, mommy. how to be productive while taking care of our kids, homeschooling, figuring out new workflows and new schedules. I'm Brittany. My kids are one and a half and almost five. And as hard as the last few months have been trying to figure out how to navigate pandemic parenting during a stay-at-home order, right now with states reopening, parents everywhere are moving from, we don't have a choice, so let's figure out how to make this work, to we have some really tough choices to make and I'm not sure what the right decisions are. In some ways, having the choice to send your kids back to daycare, go out to eat, visit with friends, well, that can be even harder than not having a choice. So, as you work to navigate this next phase of pandemic parenting, we are here to talk about some of the big issues parents face right now. We're reaching out to experts and parents and trying to help you feel better informed while also acknowledging there are no one-size-fits-all answers right now. What works for one family might look totally different for another, and that's okay. For the most part, we're all just doing our best. High five! High five! And sometimes our best means letting our kid play with our phone while it takes us 10 minutes to get through typing a four-sentence email. Mommy, I can't do this. I don't know how to turn it off. In mid-March, the research lab where Michelle Lambert works shut down, and she found herself with anxiety like she has never experienced before. That week that we transitioned to working from home, and like even the next week was like so hard. It's awful. This is the worst. (laughs) She was trying to work eight hours a day while also taking care of her two-year-old son, And she pretty quickly realized that was not possible, at least not in the way she had worked before. It got to the point where I was working from like 8 to 10 at night to fill in those last few hours. And I was just like crashing internally. And the boss was like, listen, it's fine. Just, you know, shut it off at 5. Whatever you get done is whatever you get done. I am on Zoom. Um, and stuff like that for that. Um, you know, if my son is like climbing over my shoulders, nobody cares. I mean, like, it's not a big deal at all. So it's not like I have to have forward facing like professionalism in that way. Um, so that was nice, but you know, I can't imagine like some of these other, um, parents that, um, you know, I only have one, two year, two and a half year old. Um, but like we have multiple kids that have different schedules or people who are trying to 
you know, do schoolwork. Like, how are you supposed to do schoolwork and also work? And then, so well, how? I don't. So, I don't know. It's been wild to say the least. An understanding boss and coworkers have helped, but it is still far from normal for her or her son. He keeps asking to go to the park or see friends, and while at two it's easier to tell him no than it might be with an older kid, after a few months she is concerned about his social and emotional skills that he should be developing right now. We actually took a walk around the block, and some little kid from his house was like, hi, 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 and our kid just stared at him. So when her lab announced it would start opening back up, that interaction was on her mind. And she and her husband decided to go ahead and put their son back into daycare. Because it it would also be good for him to get some socialization. Then they decided not to. The pediatric multi-inflammatory syndrome thing, it's like, yeah, it's super rare. But like, that would suck to find out that your kid is the 1% that, (laughs) oh, this is rare, but it's happening. I mean, it happens to somebody. And then they changed their minds again and again. I can't remember all the, um, like, back and forth that we did, but it was a lot of that. Ultimately, her son went back for one day before they saw an increase in case numbers and decided not to send him for at least another few weeks. Him being in daycare is the biggest risk because thinking that it's at all realistic that you're going to have two, three, four, five-year-olds, you know, social distancing, not touching their face, not touching other kids, not coughing on each other, not spitting on I mean, they're germ factories anyway. Like, what? you're not, you, it, that's, it's unrealistic. And so, like, if you put your kid in daycare, you're basically quarantining or in lockdown with all 20 other families that are in that daycare or whatever. So um, that was a really agonizing decision. And now I don't know what we're going to do. And that's the hard part. I feel like this whole thing, like as a parent, yeah, you're making a bunch of educated guesses about anything, Um, you know, like, oh, what should I do about, you know, sending my kid to kindergarten or what should I do about, you know, this, whatever. It's, It's all educated guesses, but the stakes are like so high now. For now, Michelle says she'll keep working from home when she can and go into the lab early in the morning, in the evenings, and on weekends to do the things she can't do from home. She realizes she is incredibly privileged to be in a position where she can make these kinds of choices, but it doesn't make it any easier to make them. Pediatrician Justin Smith with the Cook Children's Healthcare System says lots of parents are struggling with these same choices. I think right now the biggest thing that we're thinking about is what, how are we going to integrate our kids back into normal life and what's the safest way to do that. So right now it's summer camps, summer programs, it's kids who are having to go back to daycare um, because their parents are having to go back to work or um, their parents are being asked to do more and working at home with them is becoming more of a challenge. Uh, And then I think the next wave will be um, what does school look like in the fall? So I think that that's something that we're all really paying attention to um, what the case numbers are doing with reintegration back into normal life. When picking a daycare, school, camp, or anywhere else you would send your kid right now, Smith says the business should be able to give you its plan for how it will screen the health of employees and participants, cleaning and disinfecting protocols, and what it plans to do if someone does get sick. How are they going to keep someone away? 
Um, how long are they going to keep them away? So any place that you're considering your child going should have all of those things in place. While he stresses that parents should be cautious, Dr. Smith says it is important to know your kid and take that into account. Uh, there's no straight answer. Um, we, I mean, I think there's some things you can consider um, as you're making that decision. Um, the first one is your child uh, and the health of your child. If your child has any chronic medical conditions, it changes the decision, of course. Um, your child's age um, probably matters as well. So <clears throat> perhaps an older kid might understand more like uh, what social distancing would look like at a camp, uh, but a younger toddler might not. Um, and so that presents a little bit of a challenge. Um, I think uh, on top of child factors, I think, um, again, considering the school and their processes is another important part. I think also considering the household members, because um, we know that uh, although it is becoming clear that children can get sick, um, probably more of them are asymptomatic carriers or have mild illness, but who are they bringing the virus home? So if you have a grandparent that lives in the house or that they're seeing a lot, um, then being at daycare probably escalates the risk for that grandparent, particularly if they have a chronic medical condition. Um, and then I'm also just having parents consider, you know, their, their work and what their demands are, you know, and if they are, if the demands of their work are increasing such that working harder, harder working at home with them is more difficult, then, then consider the other three factors. But if you can continue to be productive or you're not feeling pressure, uh, then it's very, it's very, I think it's a very, I think it's the right thing to do is to go ahead and keep them home if you can. But we just know that that's going to become more and more difficult for families as things begin to open up. And while the absolute safest option as far as the virus is concerned is to keep your kids at home as much as possible, Dr. Smith says mental and emotional health is another important piece of this very confusing puzzle. And one of those factors that I considered in terms of reintegration is, well, how, how it has isolation affected an individual child and that that will very much depend child to child even within the same family um, and I think that's where a conversation with um, uh, you between your child yourself uh, a pediatrician or a mental health professional um, would be a really important part of that conversation if you are um, if you are starting to see some effects of, of, of isolation on your on your child's mental health Isolation can even affect young toddlers like Michelle's, the research lab manager who struggled with if she should send her son back to daycare. But I think it's also important to just remember that anyone could be affected by this. You know, I mean, talking to parents even of preschool ages who, who clearly the kids miss the social interaction with their friends. They don't understand why they're not seeing their teachers. Um, so I don't think anyone's immune. Um, but just knowing that um, you know, it may look different depending on the child's age and really just checking in with them frequently and, and asking those questions um, and seeking out help if, it's, if it seems like there's something going on. Smith says intentional check-ins to ask your kids how they are doing each day can go a long way. And regardless of age, one thing parents can do is try to have age-appropriate conversations with their kids explaining the virus, social distancing, and how we can stop the spread. Don't assume it will scare them, especially for older kids. Information can be empowering. A, a two-year-old is really not going to understand uh, what, what a virus is and how, but they do understand, you know, germs and germs can make you sick. And here are some things you can do to keep yourself safe. Um, and so uh, an older kid may need a lot more detail because they may be, um, you know, feeling a little bit like, 
um, you know, this isn't scary to them because they haven't seen it, but they may need really concrete details about what it could look like if someone got sick with this illness. So, I mean, it really varies, depends on the child. It really varies depending upon the child's age. Hmm, this is a hard choice, Sally. If you can manage to keep your kids home, you might take a little solace in the fact that Dr. Smith says, don't worry if your kids are getting a little extra screen time right now. If you need an extra hour to get your work done, focus on the quality of what they're watching when you need to up the quantity. Honestly, I'm not going to worry about it right now. I mean, I think most of our parents who are trying, they're going to be doing the best they can. I mean, I'm, I've, I was on the committee when we, for the AAP when we wrote the most recent guidelines. And even us and the chair of that committee have said, now's not the time we've been talking about screen time guidelines. Now, you know, again, being intentional and being engaged is important. But counting hours, it's just not the right time for that, in my opinion. For parents like Michelle, who even after spending hours doing research are still struggling to make decisions about when and how to reopen their lives, Smith says you certainly are not alone. I trust myself. I trust my husband to, like, stay away from people, wear a face mask, you know, don't shake people's hands, wash your hands, sanitize, you know open doors with your elbows sort of thing. But like, as soon as I send my two-year-old to daycare, he's going to be like, hey, uh. oh, great. He licked the slide. Fantastic. Everybody out there is feeling the same way. I think very few people feel like they have this all under control at this point. Um, and so if they're feeling out of control, that's normal. But I think what you can do is you can start to prioritize those things based on risk, and level importance and start to think about those things where you can start to reintegrate and start to do some of those normal things. Um, and so how long? A long time. Will it look just like this? Uh, hopefully not. But I think really the thing that's going to tell us that is as we release restrictions, what happens to case numbers? As we um, make changes, well, what, what happens in the next phase? You know, And I think those things are going to tell us what happens next. And so really we're going to have to take it kind of phase by phase, day by day, however you want to put it. Um, but how long is it, things are going to be different? It's going to be a while, but I think not, not as different as it is today. A few other things Dr. Smith wants to stress to parents. He thinks you should get used to the idea of you and your kids wearing masks. That is one part of the COVID response he does not see going away anytime soon. And he says, make sure you don't neglect other parts of you or your kid's health because of the pandemic. While many providers are offering more telehealth and virtual options, he says he often catches things during checkups. And he says, if you suspect anything might be wrong medically, you should still make an appointment with your doctor. He says all parents should keep up with credible information. He suggested the CDC website, your health care provider, and your own county health department numbers to give some local perspective on how widespread the virus is in your area. Check these often because the latest information is constantly evolving as doctors and scientists learn more about COVID. As Dr. Smith mentioned, one of the big factors in deciding when and how to reopen your life is mental health. 
one of the things that we're most concerned about with isolation is going to be uh, more on the depression and anxiety side. And, and those don't often present in the same way um, in young kids as they do in adults. So they may not say that I feel anxious. They may not say I feel sad. But you may see things like irritability. Um, you may see things like isolation. Uh, you may see them uh, lose interest in things that they've been doing to stay distracted all of a sudden and kind of not feel like doing anything. Um, so I think if you're seeing any significant change in their behavior, um, it, it warrants at least a conversation with someone to make sure that they're doing okay. The effects of both the isolation and anxiety brought by this pandemic are widespread for both adults and kids, affecting those who have a history of mental health struggles and people who are dealing with these issues for the first time under the stress of the pandemic. For parents, it's really important to make sure you're taking care of both your own and your kids' mental health. So we're going to dive deeper into that topic in our next episode. They don't, you can't, you don't always know that they're worrying. Normally they're irritable and they're agitated. So you may think your kid is just having a bad day, but if you see your kid kind of having a bad day every day, it's probably not that they're just becoming a, a bad or a difficult kid. It's something that they're not able to express, right? So they don't have the words um, or the insights to be able to say, this is different for me. I'm struggling like an adult can. I talked with both a pediatric psychiatrist and a licensed professional counselor about how COVID-19 is impacting mental health, signs parents can look out for, and some strategies to help you and your kids cope. We also recognize that parts of the conversation around how to reopen our lives will change all over again if or when schools reopen in the fall, and we plan to have a whole episode dedicated to what that will look like later in the summer. If you have a question you really want answered about pandemic parenting, or if you have a really crazy or unique story about how the pandemic has affected you as a parent, we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch by emailing us at podcast at dfwchild.com. Be sure to follow DFW Child on Facebook and Instagram so we can continue the conversation and check out the helpful parenting resources on dfwchild.com. Until next time.